So just make sure and, and uh, remember that. Mark that on your calendars. Also, and finally, the cleanups, cleaning, church cleaning sign-up sheet is in the back. It's filling up fast, so hurry up and get your name on there. Amen. We like everybody, you know, many hands make light work, as they say. Amen. And so if we just share the load, amen. It won't even, it, it's whenever we clean the church, there's hardly anything to do, really, because we keep it so clean. And so it's just a little touch up. And so get your name on there. Amen. Participate. Amen. We're so glad that you're here today. In Jesus' name, we're together again, just praising the Lord. We're together again, in one accord. Something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. Oh, just praising the Lord. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. In one accord. Something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. Come on. We're together again. Aren't you excited? Just praising the Lord. We're together again. We get to be in His presence. In one accord, something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. I believe it. Oh, just praising the Lord. One more time. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. In one accord. Something good is going to happen. Yes, it is. Something good is in store. We're together again, just praising the Lord. Jesus, we praise You. We honor You. We bless Your name, Lord Jesus. We have high expectation, O oh God, for things that You're going to do. What You're going to say to us in our heart and our spirit today. Lord, we need You to have Your way in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Sister DeMuth, do we have... Nope. Okay, well, that's what happens when you assume that all the songbook songs are in the in the system. You find out they're not. So, amen. We're going to sing the chorus. I don't know all the verses by heart. But we're, it's, in, it's in the songbook, but we're just going to sing the chorus. It's called, Isn't He... Wonderful. Isn't he wonderful? Bible says he is. Says he's wonderful. Says he's a counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. Amen. And he's our Jesus that we serve today. 
Amen. Well, isn't He wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Oh, eyes not seen, ears not heard, what's recorded in God's Word. Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Well, isn't He wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Oh, eyes not seen, ears not heard, what's recorded in God's Word. Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Well, isn't He wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Well, eyes not seen, ears not heard, what's recorded in God's Word. Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Well, isn't He wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Well, eyes not seen, ears not heard, what's recorded in God's Word. Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, You're wonderful and mighty and holy. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, Lord. We've not even begun to understand the depth, O oh God, the length and height and breadth of what's in Your Word, O oh God. Lord, that You would impart to us today something great and mighty, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love You, Lord. I love You, Lord. I love You, Lord Jesus. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. We got it right here. Though Satan rages, we will not be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Though Satan rages, we will not be defeated. We've got the power, yes we do, in the name of the Lord. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Though Satan rages, we will not be defeated. 
We've got the power in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we're so thankful today for the power, Lord, the dominion and authority that we have in Your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah to Your name, Lord Jesus. We give glory and honor and praise to Your name, Jesus. We magnify and glorify Your name, Jesus. We honor You, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Holy God, holy God, holy God. Worthy God, worthy God. Have your way, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, it wasn't long after Peter and John on the day of Pentecost. They just had come to understand the power of the name of Jesus. They had watched 3,000 people. Lives changed literally like that over the power of the name of Jesus. And so they didn't have a lot of history to work with. As far as understanding and realizing and maybe even using the power that, and realizing the power that was in the name of Jesus. And so Paul, Peter, and John were just on their way as good Jews to, to prayer. And there, there said a guy that they had seen there for years probably. He was always there at the entrance to the temple. He, was, he had always been lame and he had always been laying there begging for alms, and they had passed him probably several hundred times before all this happened on the day of Pentecost. But something happened that day that made them stop. They began to realize, and maybe it was the prompting of the Holy Ghost. How many of you believe that the Holy Ghost will prompt you in a moment? When you're just standing there, when you're about to pass that guy up, the Holy Ghost will prompt you to stop. And turn and, and you don't you don't even know what you're going to say, you're just stopping, and I just believe that's just just me. I believe that's what happened that day. And they turned to this man and this, and they said, and they had passed by him hundreds of times before, but they stopped and they said, "Silver and gold have we none. We don't have nothing to give you today, buddy. But we do have something that we're going to give you that is not anything we can drop in your cup." And they just exercised faith. You don't know if God tells you to lay hands on somebody and pray for them, if he's going to honor that or not. Do you? We don't. But if he tells you to do it, even if he doesn't heal that person, you got to do it anyway. Because there might be something he's trying to teach you to trust him. Would he do that? He would absolutely do that. And so John, Paul, Peter and John spoke those words, and what happened? 
that man stood up. He didn't just stand up. He walked. He didn't just walk. He leaped. He didn't just leap. He was praising God. He didn't just leap and praise God. He did it down through the whole, the whole church, if you will. And something happened in Peter and John that day. They found out if God prompts you to do something and you honor that and you have faith and you do what he told you to do, God's going to honor it. Because it wasn't them that did anything for that man. They just exercised their faith. They just exercised that name that has power above every name that can ever be named or ever will be named on this earth. That's, we got that same power, folks, in this building right now. We got that same power to, to lay hands on somebody and watch a cancer just fall off of them right here in front of us. We have that. We just, if we could just realize what we have, oh my goodness, the things that God would just do. If we would just honor Him with our faith. That's not what I'm preaching about today. Philippians, <clears throat> got to thinking about that while we were singing that song. Those Satan rages. You know, you just have to wonder if Satan was right there going, nah, 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 don't stop. You're going to look like an idiot. Uh, Satan would never do that, would he? <laughs> don't, don't, don't exercise your faith. You'll look like an idiot. He doesn't want you to exercise your faith. Jesus' name. Philippians 4, 1 through 7. Philippians 4, 1 through 7. Amen. If you're there, say amen. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, long for my joy and crown to stand. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Who's he talking to? The church. I beseech you, odious. And I beseech Syntyk that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow or fellow laborers, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Hmm. Interesting statement. With Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Who keeps the book of life? God knows, doesn't he? God knows. God knows where we are. He knows right where you are. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Easy scripture to quote. Hard scripture to live. <laughs> Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. That's not... It's not what you, that word moderation is not what you think it means. I'll just say that. Study it out. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, it's the only peace we really need or want is the peace of God. Without the peace of God, is there really any peace? No. 
which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, your inner man and your thought life through Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for the people of God being here today. Lord, I just pray that your anointing be upon their ears, their minds, O God, that they would receive revelation, impartation, wisdom, and knowledge and understanding from what you have sent me here to say today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Or as they did in the synagogues, the people stood and the preacher sat down. (laughs) Do you all want to try that? No? Okay. (laughs) Tried. Philippians 4, 6 in the Amplified says this, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Make it plain, right? Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance, life is nothing but one circumstance after another, isn't it? Seems like it, it is. My son was driving down to Bowling Green to visit a friend yesterday. He got almost into Bowling Green, Kentucky, about two hours away from his house. And his car, the, all the gauges on his car just went blank. <laughs> tell me, now I'm going to tell you this. Tell me God's not in control and tell me God's not keeping his hand on the people that believe in and trust him. And The Bible says he sets his angels around about them that fear him. Now, he's that same vehicle he drove on Thursday from about an hour away to my sister's house in Louisville and back with his three daughters. And nothing broke down until he got going down the highway. And it didn't break down until he was about two miles from an auto zone. And he punched in an auto parts store in his phone and said, find the auto parts store. And it took him right to the auto zone. And it was his alternator. It just died. And thank God somebody taught that boy how to turn a wrench. (laughs) I didn't teach him how to do everything, but I at least taught him how to turn a wrench and and do some stuff. So guess what that boy did? He went into AutoZone, and lo and behold, 2003 Chevy SUV, they had the exact alternator for his car. They loaned him some tools. 30 minutes later, he was back on the road. He called us and told us all that, and I said, God got his hand on him. Why didn't that break down when he had his his daughters with him? It's not just a coincidence. God's got his hand on that young man. He's got his hand on his life because he's giving his life over to the Lord. And so circumstances are going to happen. Things are just going to happen. But I'm telling you right now, God's in control of all of it. And the quicker and the sooner we believe that and and not just say, well, that just happened, the quicker we'll understand that that everything in our life is there for a reason. Romans 8, 28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whose good? For whose good? For your good? No. For God's good. All things work together for good. For God's good. It's for His purpose. He's working something out in you. You mean He's going to let my alternator break? While I'm driving down the road in order for, to teach me a lesson? Absolutely He's going to do that. 
But in every circumstance, in every in everything, by prayer and petition, with thank, definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Continue. Continue walking. Continue moving. Stuff's going to happen. You're going to get sick. And what if it's the will of God for you to be sick? Ah, that can't be. Oh, really? Wasn't the will of God for that young man to be blind from birth that Jesus healed? Why did, this, why did the Scripture say that that young man was healed? That God would get the glory. And if the religious people and everybody wanted to know, why, what did your parents do? They must have sinned when you were a baby. Nope, had nothing to do with it. He was blind from birth by the will and plan of God. So could it be the will and plan of God for somebody to get cancer and die? Or COVID? Absolutely it could be. What if that one thing that God does in their life keeps them from walking away from Him? Would you rather them die from cancer and, and know that they're going to be with Jesus in heaven? Or have them heal from cancer and have them walk away from God? It's a hard question to answer, isn't it? But sometimes sickness and things like that that happen in our life are the will of God. And if we're praying against that, we're praying against the will of God, aren't we? And so instead of praying, Lord, heal me, sometimes we need to say, Lord, your will be done. Don't you want his will to be done in your life? Whatever that is. <laughs> he doesn't give you a disclaimer. Nor will he ever. Philippians 4, 6 in the New Living Translation says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It's a novel concept, isn't it? Pray about everything. Everything? Everything. What you're going to wear and so forth. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Not all the good things He has done, just all He has done. All the bad stuff, all the mediocre stuff, all the good stuff. Thank Him for all He has done in your life, all He's allowed. Aren't you thankful today for all that God's allowed to happen in your life? He allowed me to make that decision at 23 and a half years old to join the military. And I wouldn't be married to that lady in the back there if it wasn't for that one little move that I made. He allowed that. It doesn't, he didn't just finally say, okay, I finally got him where I want him. Now I'll save him. No, he was orchestrating all of those things in my life. He knows the day of my death and the day of my birth, doesn't he? And that means he knows everything else in between that. The dash, as they call it. Right? So we're going to talk about don't be careful. Don't be careful. Well, we all got our driver's license for the first time in this room pretty much, right? What was one of the first things your parents said when you took the car out for the first time? to a football game or something at school, right? Be careful. Be careful, right? Just I could just go down a list of stuff that a family member would say to another family member, 
Now, if you're going mountain climbing, be careful, right? If you're going out hunting this early tomorrow morning, be careful. Don't fall out of the tree stand, right? Be careful. And what did we say when our parents said, now be careful, son. I got this, Mom. I got this. Don't worry. What we would say, right? Don't worry. Nothing will happen. (laughs) Famous words, right? Don't worry. But the Lord is telling us, don't worry. Don't be careful. Didn't we just read that? Be careful for nothing. It says in that scripture in the King James, but in everything by prayer and supplication. It doesn't say in everything with prayer and supplication. It would make a total different meaning there. That word by in the thesaurus, I said that word without skipping a beat. <laughs> I was wondering. Through the agency of, by means of, under the agus or support of, using, utilizing, employing, with the help of, with the aid of, as a result of, because. So, but in everything, through the agency of prayer and supplication. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is not something you do. It's a life you live. I said prayers my whole Catholic upbringing that didn't amount to anything because they were just repeated verbiage. I don't know. God probably never heard that stuff. Prayer is a walk. It's a thing. It's a lifestyle. I, there's not probably... I'm not bragging except when I'm sleeping maybe, but there's probably not a moment when I'm awake that I'm not praying to some level. It hasn't always been that way. But I'm getting to the place now where I just stay in an attitude of prayer constantly because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't even know if we're going to make it home today. We don't know if if a truck's not going to cross the interstate on the way home and take us out of here. And so I anxiety over things that we really have no control over be a sin. Just asking a question. Can it? You have to answer that question for yourself. It's not, I wasn't looking for a show of hands. It's a hypothetical question I'm asking you. At the very least, is it likely a way that the enemy tempts us in order to distract us from putting complete faith and trust in God for everything? Could that be could worry and concern and care and all those things be a tool that the enemy uses to distract us from our true relationship with the because it is. I believe it. James says that we are tempted and enticed of our own lusts. So the enemy uses your own desires, your own lusts for things. I mean, we can lust for anything. Right? Power, control, clothing, 
stuff. Lust is not just a word that refers to sexual things, okay? Your lusts that are in you as a human being, as flesh, I mean, some of us in here like a good piece of steak. You can lust over a piece of steak. And some of us wouldn't lust over a donut if our life depended on it. Some of us would. So we have our own carnal fleshly desires, if if I can put it that way, okay? Your desires. What's important to you? Right? So if James said that, then it must be true that the enemy can entice us through our desires, through those things in our carnal man that feed our flesh. And one of those things could be worry. Expressing or feeling worry, frustration, anxiety can be linked to our desire or lust to want to be in control of our lives. We like being in control of our lives. Or at least feeling like we're in control of our lives. Nobody likes to feel like they're out of control, do they? But when we're serving God, isn't that what He's asking of us? To die daily? To self? Isn't that the same thing as saying to not be in control anymore? Who would, in their right mind that's, that's born again apostolic would, would say, I don't want God to be in control of my life? None of us. I want Him to be in control of my life. That was the point. When I came to an altar of repentance, I died to myself. Does that mean I only had to die that one time? No. Because flesh is going to rise up every day. There's a couple times a week I don't want to get out of bed and I drag it out to the last minute. That's flesh. And I know I should get up, but I don't. That's flesh. So I got to crucify this old man every day. That's why Paul said, I die daily. And didn't we allow God to take control of salvation? We might have on that day. But is he still in control? Could it be possible that we were not, that we were not or maybe are not all the way dead yet? If we're still fretting and worrying over stuff that we have no control over, circumstances and situations that we just don't have any control over, then we are not letting God be in control. Period. Worry and all those things could be a tool of the enemy that's distracting us and maybe even causing us to sin. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Do we really truly believe that God is in control of everything? Do we we believe that He's in control when there's trials and persecutions and sickness and death in our families and all that? Do we really believe God's in control? Or do we just say that? Do our motives and our attitudes and actions indicate to God one way or the other? 
Because you might say something, one thing with your mouth, but God knows what your motives are. He knows what's going on down in here in your inner man. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time, and you sure can't fool God. You can lie to yourself, but you can't lie to God. He's going to find you out. He knows that we're flesh. He knows that these things influence us. That's why he sent James to write those things, to warn us, to let us know what's going to get us in trouble. So we got to keep this flesh under control. Mary and Martha provide some good insight on this subject, okay? Luke 10, 38-42. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was encumbered or distracted or preoccupied with cares. She was encumbered about much serving. Every one of us needs to be serving the Lord, shouldn't we? We need to have a servant spirit, a servant heart, a servant attitude. But we can, can we take that too far? I'm so bent on serving the Lord that I miss out on other stuff. And it came to him, and, and this lady named Martha came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? Don't you care, God, that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, to, that she will help me. Why are you letting, letting her leave me in the kitchen by myself? Lord, why don't you tell her to get up off the floor and come help me? Is that what she's saying? What is, what's she saying? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. That word careful. Same word that we just read. But one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I'm not going to tell her to get up. Because it's more important right now to minister to me because I'm about to go to the cross. Martha, she, he, you know, Jesus never said that serving was a bad thing. He never said that. All that serving and all that stuff that Martha was doing, he never said it was a bad thing. But he, he did say that I'm, she has chosen the, the better thing, the more needful thing. Martha, so you go do what you're doing, Martha, but I'm going to let Mary sit here and do what she feels called to do. And sometimes that's what the Lord wants from us, is just to us to just sit there at His feet and listen. And not to worry. Don't be, don't be a Martha. Don't be so careful and concerned and worried about every little detail and every little thing that you miss out on what God is trying to do in your life. Don't be careful, especially in these last days. The enemy is working overtime to distract us, folks, and we're going to miss something that God's trying to do because we're so worried and concerned and caring and carrying all those weights of care and concern. Is there something wrong with being caring and concerning? No. But if that's all you spend your time doing, that's why that was written in the, in the book. Be careful for nothing. 
Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry. Stop worrying about stuff that you have no control over. If one of my kids decides tomorrow to just turn his life in another direction and stop living for God, do I have any control over that? Not at all. I'm not their parent anymore. I am, but in the sense of having any control over their life, I have none. They've got their own choices to make. And the enemy would love for a situation like that to occur and him drag me away from what I'm supposed to be doing for God to be worried about that situation that I have no control over. (laughs) The enemy won. He didn't even even do anything. Oh, you need to go over there and be concerned about that. He'll talk to you just like that. And it'll sound like your own voice. (laughs) He's a deceiver. Right? Matthew 6, 33 and 34 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Talking about priorities. And His righteousness. And all these things, all this other stuff you're worrying about will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought. Take therefore no thought. Don't worry. Don't care. My Louisville Cardinals lost to Kentucky Wildcats yesterday. It upset me for a little bit. They had 11-1 record. And that was the rivalry game. And and Kentucky had a terrible record. How in the world did they beat Louisville? And I cared about that for about that long. But I'm not going to let that eat up my whole day. Right? It's like, I'm not a Packer fan, but if you are and the Packers lose, just get over it. Stuff happens. There's a loser and a winner. Some some, people, some teams have bad seasons. Some teams have good seasons. It's just the way it is. Don't let that become so, in, so entrenched in your life that it just takes away your joy and your peace and all those things. I'm not going to let that, that game get in between me and Jesus. I'm not going to care to the point where it just eats me up. Take no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. No man is promised tomorrow. So stop worrying about tomorrow. All you got promised to you is the moment you're living in right now. And the things that we do for Jesus are going to be the only things at the end of the day that really matter. So all the other stuff in your life that you concern yourself with, and, and you might not call it worrying, but and you might not call it care, but if, well, anyway. If we are individually and collectively actively seeking Him and His kingdom, which means His will, His plan, and His purpose, every moment of every day, then the likelihood that that what we shouldn't, the things that we shouldn't be falling for and the temptations of caring and worrying won't even be a problem. Will it? If you're seeking first His kingdom, those things don't even come into the picture. Those, those burdens that you're carrying are unnecessary. Jesus addressed that. 
Jesus calms the storm. Mark 35, Mark 4, 35 through 40. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him little ships. And there arose a great storm. Anybody ever feel like you had something just come up in your life? It just like all hell broke loose one day? A storm? Man, it's like one family member gets sick and then you get another phone call about somebody else is sick and then it's like, oh my goodness. When's the next hammer going to drop? You know, you start worrying. You start thinking, oh my goodness, things come in three. And you start telling yourself all kinds of stuff. We do. We're flesh. It's okay. We do that. And a great storm arose just out of nowhere. They're out on the boat. Boom. A storm rises up in their life. And the wind and the waves beat on the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Talking about peace. Jesus wasn't concerned about that storm. He was asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, this is us sometimes, right here. Master, carest thou not that we perish? That's us. Or words to that effect. God, don't you care that this is happening and my tire's flat and I ran out of gas and my AAA won't tow me and blah, 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 blah. We grumble and complain at God. Instead of saying, Lord, is is this your will that this is all happening? It's having some peace about it. And the only really way for me to have peace is for me to to acknowledge that I know that God's in control of my life. (laughs) I don't like that stuff out there. Okay? I'm just going to say it. Okay, we've had some. Let's move on. (laughs) Spring's almost here. Hallelujah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'm ready for spring tomorrow. I'm not going to let that steal my peace. I'm just going to put up with it until it's all gone. Stuff's going to happen. God planted me here. I'm not going to complain about it. If he planted me here, I'm here for a reason. If I gotta put up with that stuff and that's all I gotta put up with I've already figured out after eight years I can handle it. Doesn't mean I have to like it. But God allows me the grace to put up with it. His grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. And they said, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. We've got that name of Jesus, don't we? And the wind, he rebuked the wind and the sea and 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 said, Peace be still. And the, the wind ceased and there was great calm. What did he say to his disciples? He said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You know, faithlessness could could be a sin. Having no faith. 
If you're not trusting in God, if you're not trusting in the Lord, if you're not having faith in what He's doing in your life, then what are you having faith in? I heard somebody say one time, fear is faith in the devil. Is that true? I don't know. It could be. Not faith in God, that's for sure. Is God in control or isn't He? That's a question you've got to answer for yourself. Is God in control or isn't He? If He's in control, then you don't get to have a say. Other than, I, sir. Yes, sir. How many bags full, sir? Where do you want me to go, God? How long do you want me to stay there? Did Paul argue when God kept sending him all over God's green earth? No. Does that mean that Paul didn't have some times where he felt like, oh my goodness, i got to go again? He probably did. We're all flesh. Our Lord and Savior commands the storms. And He allows the storms. Sometimes He sends the storms. What did Paul say? When he said that that there was a messenger of Satan sent to him to buffet him. God gave him a gift. If you send something to somebody, isn't it a gift? <laughs> he sent him a gift. A messenger of Satan to buffet him. Why? Because God was fixing to give him some revelation and God wanted to make sure that he stayed humble and didn't get all lifted up and puffed up in himself with all this revelation that God was going to give him. God was helping to keep him saved. If he did that for Paul, would he do that for us? In a heartbeat. Truth be told, he might be doing that for you right now. Nobody in this room probably knows. God might be working some stuff in your life, and you feel like all hell's broke loose. Are you going to worry about it? Are you going to give it to God? That's what Paul did. He gloried in his infirmities. He was thankful for that thing. After he, And Paul, this is us in our flesh, Paul prayed three times. Lord, take this away from me. I believe it was a physical ailment of some kind. Thorn in his flesh. Messenger of Satan. It could have been like psoriasis or, you know, something, you know, boils. Or it could have been anything. Right? Job got to have some boils on his body, right? Was that for, was that for good? To them that love God, the called according to his purpose? Absolutely. Did that help Job? Did those boils help Job? Do I? It helped him get to a place where God needed him to get to, didn't it? It, it brought some things out of some people, like his wife. <laughs> Won't you just curse God and die? Job said, I, naked I came. Naked I'm going to return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not going to worry about this. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. Matter of fact, it hurts. I heard one person describe one boil they had. I couldn't imagine having a whole body full of them. Painful like you wouldn't believe. God allows the storms in our life for a reason. Don't pray yourself out of it. And don't sit there and worry about it. 
Just give it to God and say, this is your will. I mean, what are you going to do? What, what would I, do I have any control if God decides to let my wife have cancer? I don't have any control over that. I know people that God's let their wife have cancer three times. Three different kinds. And he still doesn't have an explanation for why God allowed that in his life. But it happened. God's using that to perfect us, right? Isn't that what he's trying to do in our life? To perfect us? To make us more like him? Less like us? Matthew 13:58 says, And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Where was there? In his own hometown. They could not get past the fact that this was that little boy Jesus who followed his daddy around and went to the carpenter shop with him. They couldn't separate themselves from that and the Messiah. And so there was no belief that he could even do anything in his town. So what did Jesus do in his own hometown? Nothing. Because Strictly because of unbelief. Uncertainty and distrust in God's power. That's what unbelief is. It's an uncertainty and a distrust of God's power. Is God able to do it? Or isn't He? James 1 and 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. That word endureth means to remain under a load. When you put electricity in a house, you put all the plugs in and all the lights in, there's there's a calculation that they do to determine how many plugs to put on a circuit. Because that 15-amp circuit will only hold a certain load. 15 amps. 20 amps. So when you're putting stuff on that circuit, you most people don't do this. They just start plugging stuff in. Well, everything has pulls a certain amount of load. A toaster pulls a certain amount of load. You know, different different appliances, and so once you max, once you reach past that load, what happens? The breaker pops. So God wants us to. It says here, "Blessed is the man that endureth temptation or remains under the load." I want God to have me under load. I want Him to be testing me to make sure that I'm all that He wants me to be for Him. I don't want Him just leave me sitting over there. Wallowing in my own mess. For when he is tried, not when, not if he is tried, for when he is tried, you're going to be tried. You're going to go through some stuff. Be careful for nothing, folks. Don't be careful. Recog- begin to recognize that these things are happening in my life because God's trying to work a work in me. And allow it to happen in your life. When he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Does he love us? Does God love us? Unequivocally. Is there any time he doesn't love us? No. Well, if he loves us, he's not going to make us go through something that's not for our good, is he then? Mark 4, 18 and 19 says, And these are they which are are sown among thorns. Talking about the four kinds of soil, right? (laughs) 
such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Is it possible for us as born again, oneness, apostolic people that have that are serving God, is it possible for us to have one of those four kinds of soil in our life? Just because we receive the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, does that mean we automatically have good soil all the time, every time after that? No. Can we have thorny soil? If we don't keep, if we don't keep our garden weeded, can I put it that way? <laughs> the weeds will take over. <laughs> they will. Wait, but that's a weed. No, wait, that's a zucchini. Okay. Right? You can't tell after a while. Even Jesus talked about that. The wheat and the tares, right? You can't tell. A tear and a wheat looks almost identical to each other. So you have to let them both grow together until it's time to harvest. Then you'll know the difference. So God's Word is sown in our hearts as saved and unsaved people. He wants His Word to go into whoever's heart will receive it. That's how it all starts, isn't it? God plants a Word in here and we start chewing on that. That's how it's happened with me. I heard some things I'd never heard before in my life. And it's stuck in here and it's stuck in here and I just kept chewing on that and God kept using that to draw me closer. Just a little bit closer each time. He didn't just drag me to the altar. He got me there slowly. But He worked on me that whole time. One more little word. One more little word. He just kept planting stuff in my heart. He's no respecter of persons. He'll give this to anybody that wants it. So every time we hear His Word ministered and we receive it into ourselves, we are receiving sown seed. And if we're receiving sown seed into ground that's not tilled up and prepared, it's not going to do very much. What happened to that seed? It was sown among the thorns. To me, he, to me, he's saying here that thorns are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in. Cares of this world. Carrying cares. When we take stuff on, when we begin to care, when we begin to worry about stuff, we begin to fret over stuff, and we do it on a daily basis, it's like putting a weight on your shoulders and you're carrying that around. And you just keep weight, putting more weight on there, putting more weight on there. What was that kid's name in that um, that carried the weight around? In that allegory story? Uh, Christian, his name was. Christian. Yeah. He finally took that thing off. And it, it was like, poof. When are we going to stop worrying about stuff and carrying those weights? When are we going to stop letting those thorns stay in our life and choke the Word of God? God can't do a thing in our life if we're so busy worrying about stuff. We, can't, we don't have time to focus on what His Word is saying to us. You go read the first three chapters of the book of Revelation and what He's saying to those seven churches and what does the end of every one of those letters to those churches say? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. He is speaking to the church. In this day and age that we're living in, He's speaking to the body of Christ. 
Not the church, this building. He's speaking to us, folks. And He's using people like me and Brother Becker and Sister Linda and others. Are we listening to just the the physical words? Or are we listening past what the man is saying with his mouth and listening to what the Spirit is saying? God, help me get those thorns out of my life. Help me get those rocks and those things that are going to hinder the seed from going into good ground that it might produce something good in me. Because that's his ultimate goal. He wants to produce something good in us. Matthew 6, 24 through 34. I'm trying to hurry. Now, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot conserve God and mammon. Mammon being the God of materialism. We're living in a materialistic world, folks. We've got to be careful not get, let ourselves get sucked into that mess. Because that's another tool of the enemy to distract us from what God's trying to do. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. That means to take care, to be anxious and troubled. For your life, what ye what shall eat or what ye shall drink, or nor for yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap. Neither gather into barns, but yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, and are not, are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, which of you, by being care, be, taking care and being anxious, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Jesus talking. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Or how about, what about my kids? What about my job? What about my health? What about my house? What about this? What about that? Don't take no thought for those things. For all these things do the Gentiles, the heathens, the pagan nations seek. They're worried about all this stuff. Don't be like them. For your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need of. That you have need of all these things. You, you don't have to pray for this kind of stuff. He said He'd take care of us. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for itself, sufficient unto the day is evil and thereof. If our attention is focused firmly in seeking Him and His kingdom, as I already said, we won't have time. To be concerning ourselves and worrying about this and worrying about that. And you just need to start. I, I have to start looking at all this wickedness and st- all this mess that's going on in our world. My God, people are losing their minds. And I could get focused on that and that's all I could focus myself on. But I have to keep telling myself one thing. God is allowing all of this to happen for a reason. And I'm not going to waste my time worrying about it. I'm going to let it be a, a something that He uses to tell me. I'm fixing to come. Get ready. He's trying to tell us, folks. Get ready. 
Stop worrying about stuff you have no control over. Get ready. When a care pops up, that's just, I mean, I care about my kids. I do. I care about my seven grandkids. I don't, I don't want any one of those seven to turn from God and estrange themselves from the Lord. I care. And I can't stop them from making their own decisions either. So what can I do? What can I do? Casting all your care. Is that what the book says? Upon him, for he careth for you. The fact that I care that my kids might walk away from God. The fact that I care about this or about that. I can't, I, I have no control over that. But I know who does. And if I just cast it on him, it's not mine anymore. It's not my problem. Whether they're saved or lost is not my problem. It's not my job to go out there and try to drag my lost child back into the kingdom. That's not my job. I can pray for them. And that's really all I can do. I can plead the blood over them. And pray that God somehow, through whatever circumstance and situation, gets a hold of them before it's too late. But ultimately, I have to live with and have peace with the fact that they might not come to the knowledge of the truth. They might not come back. But if I I can't even let that get in between me and my walk with God and my relationship because I got to make it to heaven. I got to be saved. We sing that song, above all else, I must be saved. And if you're not going to go... Son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. But I'm not losing out with God. I'm just going to pray for you. Because I'm telling you something right now. All that worrying and caring can do things for to your body. People have ulcers and all kinds of stuff. and go through, They go into all kinds of fits of depression and everything else over that. That stuff can take its toll on you. Why go through that? Why not have that peace that passes all understanding? Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Because once it's in His, once it's in Jesus' pond, it's out of yours. It's His problem to deal with. And He'll deal with it, trust me. He'll do everything possible to try to draw that person back. He'll do everything possible to try to change that circumstance. But if they don't want to, what are you going to do? Right? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Matthew eleven twenty seven through 30, and I'll be done after this. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. No man knoweth the Father save the Son. That means to know fully, to have a knowledge of. Nobody knows, has a full knowledge of the Father except the Son. And nobody has full knowledge of the Son except the Father. 
and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. I'll never forget, Brother Becker, the day that I realized who Jesus was. I know where I was sitting. I know what I was doing. I know exactly where I was. I couldn't find it on a map or anything, but I could tell you where I was when it happened. I remember that day when I, Revelation hit me. It was like, bam, whoa, I really do need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Come unto me, all ye that labor. And I looked this word labor up, and I thought, I've always thought that that word just meant labor just in general, labor. But it doesn't. It means laboring for the kingdom. More so than just laboring. There's plenty of people out here that are laboring. But this is to the church. This is to the people of God. And are heavy laden, concerned over the cares. Paul talked about and the care of all the churches. Paul had started all these churches, and he it was concerning to him because all this, all these false teachers and prophets were coming into these these congregations and bringing all kinds of mess in there, and the Jews and everybody else were trying to mess up the deal, and Paul was concerned. But he, what did Paul have to do? <laughs> I can't be there. I'm in prison. Cast it. Write him a letter and just let let the chips fall where they may. And that's what he did. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Didn't Jesus say that he would he would be our comforter when he returned? Isn't it interesting that he used that word? The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. <laughs> you have a comforter right now. Use it. <laughs> Use the comforter. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Develop a relationship with me. Take my yoke. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Take that other yoke off. All that caring and concern and worry and all those things that we put ourselves through, can, like I said, can become a weight that we're carrying around. And that's a yoke that you've put yourself in. Get out from under that yoke, he's saying, and get under my yoke. When two cattle, when two animals are in a yoke, one's the primary, one's the secondary. One's learning, the other one's the main guy. He's doing most of the pulling. The other guy's just kind of in there, hooked up next to his, his buddy, his stronger guy, who's pulling most of the load, and he's just kind of walking along with him to keep the thing straight. That's where we need to be. Let Jesus pull the weight. Let Jesus be the one to be caring. He knows where they are. He knows. He knows what you're going through. Every last detail of it. He knows why your family member's not in church. He knows. And we talk to him like he doesn't. But if we would just learn to keep, you can all stand. If we could just learn to cast that, and I'm I'm still learning how to do it, folks. <laughs> I'm not perfected in that yet. I'm still learning how to cast. But it's the more you cast, the easier it gets to do. Because I'm not going to live in a life of worry and concern and all that stuff, frustration and all that stuff that's just going to weigh me down. The enemy's trying to weigh us down in this last day, carrying and concerning ourselves with stuff we have no control over. 
And God's trying to set us free. Because He's wanting to do something with His church in this last day. And He needs us to be free from all that stuff that the enemy's just using to just weigh us down and distract us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love You today. We praise You today. Father, I thank You for the people of God. I thank You for the saints of the Most High God. I thank You for making us to be the head and not the tail, Father. I thank You, Father, that You've saved us and delivered us from out of the hand of the enemy. In this last and evil day, I thank you for coming and preparing your church, Father, in the name of Jesus. Your mighty hand and your outstretched arm would be released unto us right now, Lord Jesus, that you and your spirit right now would reach into the hearts and minds of every individual online and in this building. Father, that you would speak to us, Lord, that this word that has been spoken would speak to their heart, Lord Jesus, right now, that your will would be done, Lord, that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. The altars are open. If anybody feels like they need to come up here, we'll be here. We'll pray with you if you need to. Hallelujah. Let's continue to pray just just for a few more minutes. Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for you.